Hey, it's just me, Bob, here, and this is the story of how I met your mother. And I'm saying that because I know your mom, which means you're my bastard child. This is something I've been wanting to do, which is uh, be in a bunker and uh, do a podcast. If you're affected by this coronavirus, just do all the things they're saying to do and get tested. I get tested constantly. Well, I took my SAT test again. You get 200 points for your name. And then the rest was just hell. I don't know which is worse, the coronavirus or taking your SATs. I I'm torn. Uh, I'm torn because um, I ran out of toilet paper, so I was just using the, the cardboard things. So I'm torn. I have a fissure. But I'm lucky I have a, uh, a gym at home. His name is Jim Cohen. He stays in the house under the stairs. We're not letting him out. We throw some meat in there. And I'm also lucky that I'm streaming on shows that I never wanted to watch. So you're suddenly into a program that you're going, oh my God, this isn't that good, but I don't care. Just get me through this time. This episode of the Opie Radio Podcast, sponsored by betterhelp.com slash Opie, O-P-I-E. Get 10% off your first month. And now on with the show. Hello? Bob Saget. Hi, Bob Saget. How are you? I'm damn good. How are you doing? Well, I'm mad because you just interrupted me because I was listening to your first episode of your podcast. Bob Saget's here for you. Oh, my God. Want me to call you back so you can finish it? <laughs> I, was, I was enjoying it, but wow, you, uh, you cover a lot of ground on your podcast, Mr. Saget. The first episode was just kind of really an intro going all over the place and then coming back to the subject at hand, which is what the hell are we doing right now? Are you safe? Are you doing okay? Well, thanks for asking, Bob Saget. I, um, I, man, I miss you. I, 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 I miss the, uh, I have a two part name. I'm not, not just Bob anymore or Saget. No, <laughs> I like calling you Bob Saget, even though I've known you for a long time. I, I missed a, yeah, I've known you forever. <laughs> I, I missed the simpler times when you used to do the radio show and then we'd walk up, uh, what would it be? Sixth Avenue, I guess. And everybody would recognize you and want pictures and, a 15-minute walk would take probably an hour because everybody wants their time with Bob Saget. And then we'd go I to never, the, it took me a year to understand what that walk was about. Then I realized you have two shows going. I didn't know. Oh, that I, I'm talking about when uh, I was at uh, Sirius XM and we'd walk up to the Parker Meridian and uh, we'd have a lovely, lovely breakfast after the radio show. And uh, That's true. Remember the waiter with the bad hair piece? He was he was very strange, and he was something out of some British popular binging show right now. I don't know what his deal was. He wasn't British, but yeah. he felt like a Monty Python character. Oh, 100%. I got to tell you, though, I learned a lot from that guy because he owned the bad 
uh, hairpiece. It, it, it looked like, what did it look like? Uh, can you describe it? It looked like an omelet with too much kale and mushrooms in it. <laughs> exactly. But I learned from the guy because he owned it, man. That guy had a lot of confidence. He was he was very popular. It was ladies that were shopping and then would go there for the brunch because it was like a big deal there or something. I don't know. 100%. But I mentioned that because that's what I mean by simpler times when we didn't really have any worries in the world. Uh, to answer your question, I'm safe. I'm, uh, I'm blessed to have another house far, far away from New York City. And uh, we ran out of there about a month and a half ago. And I can honestly tell you, I, I don't know when I return. I mean, it's crazy in New York City. Yeah, I've got two daughters there. I've got one in Brooklyn, and I know that people are outside. Thousands of people still partying, young people, and they don't care. They're not observing the social distance. Where's the curve going to go? I don't know. Yeah. I don't even know what to believe anymore. Nobody knows anything. You watch Mario Cuomo. He tells you that he has it. He tested positive. He's over it, but he's still positive. So. Yeah. I like that he's positive. I just don't like he's positive with coronavirus. But Right. <laughs> Wait, are you talking about Chris Cuomo from CNN? Yeah. Oh, I meant Chris Cuomo. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I meant Super Mario Cuomo. Yeah. I, I like Cuomo. disease with a mallet and getting 10 points. Yeah. I know I know. over the years you don't like talking politics, and I'll respect that. And I'm No, like, when I go to politics, I get names wrong. That's how much I can't do. <laughs> exactly. My brain zones out while I'm saying something, so I apologize. 100%. I, I don't really – I'll just say this. I don't really believe in a, a party in general, but uh, I, I, I do have to say the mayor of uh, – not the mayor, the governor of New York, Cuomo, there is doing a good job with those – press conferences yeah and that, that that's what we want to know right now is that people you know we all know people i know people you know people yeah i know people that have died or they've lost a grandmother or a mother or a kid yeah heard a couple of those that's like what yeah what is this and this is is this virus 2.0 and is there going to be 3.0 is cloverfield and then 4.0 is <laughs> oh you disintegrate when you open your door you know I don't know. There is something that a lot of us have said we like about it, which is weirdly odd, which is it brings people together. And yes. all of a sudden you're talking to people that you would never talk to because we we're all so busy yes. doing our thing. And it just makes you reflect and appreciate stuff more. It, it, with me, it's um, it's my wife and I in my house in L.A., daughters everywhere but here. Um, wishing I could hug him, wish I could see him. Yeah. And then I decided to go into your field of business, but not even meaning to. What would happen to me was like three years ago, there was all of a sudden more anger than we're used to in the country. Sure. And it was all over the place. It was yeah. coming from everywhere. And then I just went, uh, I can't take this anymore. I've got a tour and I didn't even want a tour, but then I went, I feel like they need me. It's like, it's like the Blues Brothers that knock on the door and go, we're on a mission from God. Oh, you know? yeah. Like, Love that. I just felt like I got to make people laugh. And that's what that's what you are always part of. That's all of our background together. Yeah. I was just talking to Bill Burr for this podcast, and we were talking about the virus tour. And I was talking about how when we were out there in, in at the Tweeter Center in Camden, how the audience booed him. And that was the start of his career. I mean, it was literally when people went, this guy is a warrior. Who the hell is this guy? And 
it, he, was, he was so hilarious. He was like, I just did it last week with him, and he, he goes, goes, I don't know what you're talking about, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, and then he went off on me, and this will be on my podcast, which yeah. I'll be talking about because I'm a hoe. Yeah. But he, and thanks for having me on. Uh, no first, worries, good man. to hear your voice. Absolutely. But, but he just kept going. You know what your act is, Bob? Your act, he just started roasting me. I said, Bill, we're, come on, it's quarantine. Can't yeah. we? We're friends. He said, we're not friends, Bob. <laughs> I said, you came to my wedding. I said, you left my wedding, you do a benefit, and came back in a pink jacket. You changed. He said, that doesn't mean I like you. Oh, my and God. Then, and then he went off on saying that my stand-up was nothing more than the lines from Full House that they cut out, and I just say fuck around them a lot. Oh, that's a funny way to put it, although not fair. I mean... It's I, not true, but no, it's hilarious. It is I mean, hilarious. We hung out at Westbury Music Fair. They used to call it that. Uh, you invited me personally there, and it was really, really nice, and I never saw your stand-up before. And I, I knew you from the radio show, of course, and being a family man on TV and all that. Had no idea that your your comedy was a bit blue at times and dirty and hilarious, by the way. And I'm at the Westbury Music Fair, and you're doing comedy in the round. And uh, people were walking because they had no idea that they were going to see a different Bob Saget. And I no, just... No, they thought I was under the big top. It was going to yeah. be entertainment. No, it wasn't. Her- I'm less R-rated now, but yeah, that was that was it. It was actually a fun show. I mean, I enjoyed the show, and I don't care. You know, if somebody gets offended because they think I'm going to be Danny Tanner, I am. I'm him now. I'm cleaning everything all day long. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. Yes, you're following your character more than ever uh, these days. I would assume it's funny because we did a thing. The whole Full House cast. We did a thing where the producer original creator jeff franklin said hey all of a sudden there's a text trail with stamos and right. dave coulier and candace and jody and andrea and we're let's redo the credits okay so stamos does his hair because yep. he's number one on the call sheet so he's first okay and then i come up <laughs> and i i put purell on my hands and then i clean a mop handle <laughs> now if i've got purell and i'm stroking a mop handle even for a second right uh, basically candace had to text me back and say, Bob, we need a different take. <laughs> we can't use that one because you rolled your eyes back. So, you know, right. you don't roll your eyes back when you're doing an opening title for a family show parody. But, <laughs> right. Um, except I just had a guy, because I have a rat problem at my house, he came by and he's got on the, the mask looking like he's from Mad Mask. Mad <laughs> yeah. Max, sorry. I'm, I'm really tired. <laughs> oh, it's okay, man. <laughs> He's from Mad Mask. He's got a very yeah. angry mask. Yeah, yeah. And he came in and into the house, and I'm, you know, I, I don't know. It was just these are these are my tortures of social distance, which makes me feel bad that I'm like you got cooties or something. Yeah, you you let someone in your house with a mask on. I did. You're I'd had crazy. The rat guy. You're nuts. Yeah, no, I, I I got up to that point on your uh, your first episode. You talk about the the rats in your air conditioner and it makes me happy that someone like you bob saget you got a yeah three air conditioners we had to have them replaced and that was years ago but now i had to let them in so i hope i don't get nothing but he's he's told me he's got kids and he's got a mom who's diabetic and i you know you get the whole story because we're all just people now yes and that's what we should be anyway we so, sh- we should have always but just a lot of people. us don't want to be bothered by people so wow. and that's we're finding out that we're we really are in this boat together, and 
I was nine feet away from him. At one point, I was like three feet away from him, oh. so that's where I'm going to go gargle with gasoline. <laughs> but, um, exactly. Well, but uh, the pot, the podcast was was something that just organically happened. I was able to do two episodes in the studio, and that that's on the YouTube site. But then that's it. You know, I did the rest. I got the the full board at home. How many do you do a week? What do you do? Well, now I'm up to you know three a week because I just I can't stay away from it. I mean, this is what I do. This yeah. is what I've always done for a living, and uh, you know, yeah, uh, it's your life. I mean, it's it's. Yeah, great. Oh, thank you, Bob Saget. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> I, how's how's being married, man? I think you've been married like almost four years, three, four years now, right? We're two years. We're two years, but we're together four years. But maybe it's five years and three years. I don't know. Yeah, but I know that we're getting along. That's and good. That's, that's uh, although I wasn't too kind the other night, so I was in the doghouse, but. What? And by self-admission, I was just being argumentative and looking for stuff. But that's when you have a roommate 24-7. <laughs> yeah. That's just too much. Can I ask you what it was about? What was it about? That's the big joke, right? Yeah. You don't remember. Of course. I think it's how we spoke to each other and how buttons get pushed. Yeah. Um, I, I like to talk things out. I've been through enough therapy, so I want to I talk it out. They always say not to go to bed angry. Well, that I require chloroform for that. So. <laughs> How about you? How are you guys doing? Oh, I, I'm good, man. You know, I got uh, I got two kids. They're getting older now. Wow. They're, uh, my son's going to be 10 right around the corner, and my daughter is 7. And uh, me and my wife have been together now um, s- going on 16 years. Oh, my God. That's I remember crazy. when you guys just met. I know. I remember yeah. before you met her. Yes. That was around the virus tour and all that stuff. Back in the day, so holy God, I know time's just flying by, man. And I, I'm well, I'm, and I know, and I'm 63, and I'm like, shit, I'm gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we laughing not, at that? Not from the exterminator or the <laughs> right, corona, but. right? I, I bet you do what I do. You start doing the math in your head, and you're like, ah, this math doesn't work out anymore. There, there was yeah, a, there was a time you were like, oh, 20 years is nothing. And now you look at it like, ah, oh, boy. Well, that's why we got all these people that are 18, 19, 20 years old going, nothing's going to kill me, and they're all, all throwing up on each other and having fun. And this ain't the time to do that. No. Just especially in New York City or L.A. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, and everybody knows we're going to get through it, but yeah. it's like we could get through it quicker if people don't do dumb shit, you know? Well, can I play the other side of that? You know damn well if you were their age, and I know if I was their age, I hate to be the one to say this, but I th- I think I would be the guy, you know, going about my life not too worried about it. And I know that is so selfish, and certainly certainly with, uh, with age, I, I have a, a much better perspective on all that, but... Back in the day, you just thought you were indestructible. You remember those days. I really did. And I was depressed my whole 20s because I was bombing and trying to get a job. And then when I did great, you know, I would go on after Robin Williams at the comedy store in L.A. and think I was doing amazing and didn't have a job. Right. You know, and and then finally when things started to happen, then it was like, here I am in commercial television. And that's a big gift. But then other people go... You know, you sold your soul because you're funny. And I'm like, no, there's different things I can do. You know, there's, I'm, a, I'm allowed to do this, too. Can yeah. I do this and pay for my kids' college and 
take care of everything when everybody's out of work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, this is this is a hard-ass time right now. Oh, it's so, um, such a hard-ass time that I, I changed my phone numbers. <laughs> that That is a hard-ass time. I no, mean, you what, know I, you, what I've done is I'm yeah. a block number. So oh, good. I've done something weird with this podcast, which you've been doing your whole life, which is you've been calling people, taking, well, you, you get calls. Yeah. So I've got a thing. It's in my thing on the Apple podcast. Got a phone number. They leave messages, what they want to talk about. So I literally, I'm calling people. I am one by one <laughs> growing an audience. And, but, but is it's so interesting because of the time we're in i'll call one person and she'll say she's a nurse and and she saw a patient die today and she's got an autistic son i'm not going to be doing dick jokes on that you know um, yeah i'm talking to her and right. it's the same thing when you that's what you do you're a broadcaster and so you care about people i don't get jerks because i don't I'm not calling back someone that goes, I hate you. Yeah, I want, yeah, you know, yeah, of course. Or I saw you with a girl when, you know, 30 years ago, you know, that yeah. kind of crap. Yeah. Even when I would go on your show, you know, people would always call and accuse me of <laughs> some heinous act. That might have been my, that might have been my phone call. I'll stop calling your number. We, we went on dates. You remember that? Yeah. We went on dates and they seemed like lovely women to me. I don't know. Yeah. And there are people that say I've been on dates with them and I wasn't and, yeah. Then I remember one time when two girls in a cup first came out. Oh yeah. You guys made me and Jeff Ross sit there and watch it. You remember and that? That's like I had I had just had like a breakfast sandwich. Right. And it was like that was a <laughs> very memorable moment. That's almost like the Zabruder film. Yeah. Me. Oh, a lot of good times. I got I got to ask you because you said something in there, and I just want to uh, follow up. You were in a comic with Robin Williams and the rest of them. And I can't imagine that someone like you ever struggled, but obviously you did. How old were you when you, when you truly hit? Well, I was doing, I had a bunch of different little dry heaves of, of success. I, I you know, I, when I was 21, I won the student Academy award for a movie I made in Temple university in Philly. So I went out to LA and I was going to go to USC grad school and make movies, and then I quit to be a stand-up because my first MC was Letterman. Yeah. And on the bill that night was, you know, Robin Williams, Richard Pryor, Billy Crystal, Michael Keaton. It's like, it was insane. Wow. And that was the true, there's a big boom now, or sorry, was. Yeah. Um, and will be again because people are going to need comedy more than ever when we're allowed to go do what we do. But, but back then, it was, you know, struggling i'd get a guest spot and then rodney dangerfield put me on his young comedian special the very first one right and that was with sam kennison who i introduced to rodney yeah and rita rudner and louis anderson <sighs> and richie gold and bob nelson and that was on hbo so, so that was a, a little bit of the first break and then another one came when i was in richard Pryor's movie critical condition right and that was a big deal and then i got this morning program on cbs all of a sudden, I was on against the Today Show and Good Morning America, and they said I was too hot for morning TV, so they fired me. And then I got full house when I was 29 and flew back from New York to L.A. and did the pilot again because uh, they had another guy cast, and they recast it, which is kind of cruel, but that's how people do things in showbiz. And then I would say full house, and then a year a year later, I was hosting America's Funniest Home Videos, so uh, I was the guy with the two commercial family shows that 
are still running. You know, Full House has never gone off the air. Who was the guy that you replaced? Do you have you ever mentioned his name? He's a nice guy. I don't know him. I don't know him, but they went. They did something real stupid. They put out a box set. Yeah. And they put the pilot in it without me in it with the other gentleman. Oh God! And it's just not right. It's yeah. just I mean, everybody, no matter what they do, has a uh, you know a TMZ mentality. We're we're really down to the wire on that now. We're everything's TMZ and yeah, true Hollywood story kind of garbage. You know. Yeah. It's all about celebrity. Well, did that guy ever have a career after that, though, on any level? I think he didn't want one. I think he, okay. I know he went into management for a while. Yeah, I know more about him than than I'd want to. He, he seems like such a good guy. I've right. got like this thing where I'd like to hire him one day if I have something that would be right. But I don't know if he's acting. I mean, I'm I'm finding. I'll find out. Yeah, I feel like I owe him a lunch. <laughs> you, you think <laughs> I uh but I mean I you know they did it a lot I mean originally uh, Perfect Strangers was Louis Anderson so they replaced but, uh, Louis John Anderson John Biner was originally Mork and Mindy no kidding I didn't Funny know any of this yeah so you know and then Robin was a it was unbelievable he was like a, a rocket that took off and, yeah I mean wh- why would Happy Days put a guy on to play Mork from Ork um you know, in a show that was based in 50s reality, all of a sudden a Martian comes there. Yeah. So they said, it doesn't matter. This guy's talent is bigger than, than the plot line yeah. of a series that's been running for years <laughs> yeah. and is established in 50s reality. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I remember that. And I remember thinking, wow, this doesn't really make sense. But he was so freaking funny. And, and yeah, fast forward, not much time after that. And he was just a massive, massive star. God, what do you remember about Robin Williams? Did, were you guys close after? Many things. Yeah. Because for years, as you know, I've done my scleroderma research foundation yes. benefits, and we've raised over fifty million dollars, um, fifty-three million, in the past thirty years that has gone to research, right to research, to help people and find the cure for the disease. And Robin did the benefits seven times, wow. so he did the very first one also before I was on board. And then I did it before my sister was even sick. I was hosting it. And then all of a sudden we find out my sister's got some weird disease and scleroderma is hardening of the skin. And not unlike coronavirus, you die from lungs, pulmonary hypertension, your lungs harden. So Robin was just this guy who would do anything for anybody that he could. And he did it seven times. He would just show up every couple of years. What do you need, chief? I'll do whatever you need. I said, Rob, could you not do that bit about cunnilingus where you eat out of your elbow? Because Sharon Motsky, our founder, she was like, Bob, tell Robin not to do the bit where he performs cunnilingus on his inside of his elbow. Yeah. And I told him, and of course he misunderstood. <laughs> but he was, uh, he was, you know, it's if you only. I've said this a bunch of times. If you only saw his movies, if you never saw his stand-up, you'd go, oh, my God, this is one of the most amazing people ever, from Dead Poets to Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, yeah. But I remember 9-11, the night they kept showing the buildings coming down all day. We'd seen it all day since 6.30 in the morning. And then one network, Fox Network, not news, but the network, ran Mrs. Doubtfire while every other network just kept running the same footage and showed more footage. And I just watched Mrs. Doubtfire and I went, you know, that was like a blessing. Yes. That was like, 
thank you, Fox, for right. running that. And it was about him trying to get his kids back so much. He loved his kids so much. He dressed as Mrs. Doubtfire, yeah. which was yeah. movie I- iconic. And, and family. It was made for families. And yet, because it was him, it had a hipness to it. There's, you know, he just had it. There's nothing. There's, there will never be enough. Every, every hundred years, we have him, one of someone like him, something unusual, right? Something special. And every hundred years, we have another virus that wants to wipe out. Oh people, my so. God! Exactly. With Robin Williams, he was so funny, but you also felt his uh, characters deeply. Man, he he showed just raw emotion. Right? He was very vulnerable in a lot of those roles, which made him even, a lot vulnerable. which made yeah. him even greater than he was i sort of met him in uh, central park once when we were both biking and we were we were stopped at a red light uh i guess i'm trying to connect myself to this which is ridiculous but i was so starstruck and i i was lucky enough to have so many so many famous people on the radio show over the years and it was very rare i was actually starstruck but when i saw him in central park i was just like oh my god and then fast forward when i found the news he uh he died man i i cried like a baby and I didn't even know him personally. Right. It was it was beyond bad because he shouldn't be gone. Right. And and the way he died, that wasn't everybody that was close. You know, that wasn't him. No. You know, we all know when when people have. In his case, I'm not even sure. But it's just, it's like misquoting everything that's going on right now. You know, he had a very rare brain problem yeah uh, diseased situation and also the mental health of it all um and and i heard all different stories but all i know is that wasn't him that took his own life that's not even what happened and anybody that knows anything about mental illness and this was had elements of it to it um not be, not in his control nothing he could do it's what happened to him yeah um that that People that do take their own life, uh, sometimes it's, it literally is not them. Right. It's just not them. Mental health is completely, and it's funny because I've been talking about it quite a bit. I lost a sister at 34 years old who was schizophrenic, and um, not the one that died of scleroderma, another one. I've had an easy life. <laughs> and, <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. That's an uncomfortable laugh, by the way. It's not yeah. good, but it should, yeah. it does make you a comedian. If yeah. You're not going to take yourself out. Yeah. But that alone made me understand. And Howie Mandel was talking about it. He wrote a book about it because his OCD stuff. Yeah. I mean, I say he's a prophet now. Don't yeah. touch anybody. Don't <laughs> no come kidding. near me. I mean, he's Moses. Yeah. He's Moses of the pandemic. Yeah, he's the poster and child. So we had a we had a ninety minute conversation talking about this shit, and <sighs> it's just he's he's a really good guy. You met him over the years, right? Uh yes. How he's always been um, very generous with his time and did the show. You know, every time he was in New York. So, and we love him on America's Got Talent. Me and the kids watch that show. We love him. Hold on a second, Bob Saget. I got to welcome a brand new sponsor to the Opie Radio Podcast, BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Yes, the coronavirus! I'm anxiety-ridden! BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. 
It's professional counseling done securely. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. Sit in an uncomfortable waiting room? Social distancing! This is perfect because we can't leave our houses and you need someone to talk to and you can't sit in a waiting room somewhere waiting for a therapist. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. This is perfect for you, my friends. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. I was going through them, man. People really, really like BetterHelp. And it's certainly helping during these, uh, you know, trying times. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Opie. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. BetterHelp.com slash Opie. And join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for my listeners, you, my friends. You get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Opie. Support the sponsors when you can. Thank you. And welcome aboard, BetterHelp. One more and we'll get back to Bob Saget. Hawthorne. What's up, Hawthorne? I got a cologne from these guys and I freaking love it. And I'm getting compliments too. I mean, they're weird compliments. My wife actually said, you don't smell like the bathroom spray anymore. Uh, Hawthorne, doing things right, man. They got they got colognes online, and they got shampoos and face cleansers and all sorts of things. And uh, it's a very, very good concept. Basically, you go on their website, you take a quick two-minute quiz, and Hawthorne tells you the two colognes that are best for you, one for work and one for play. That's what I got. And they ask questions like, uh, what kind of smells you like? And I'm like, ah, I don't like flowery. I kind of like sandalwood. I kind of like lavender or a little orange. And then they kind of mix and match and they uh, put something together that's perfect for you. Very, very personalized. And man, I got the colognes and put them on right away. And I absolutely love them. And I also did it with a, with a shampoo. They asked some questions about that. Do you have the dry hair? Do you have the oily hair? Do you have any hair? So you answer some quick, quick questions. It's kind of fun, actually. And then next thing you know, man, you know, they send you a shampoo that's right for you, and they do it with the cleansers and a bunch of other things. I like the Hawthorne. All right, check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne. Let me spell that out for you. H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E dot C-O. And use my promo code Opie to get 10% off your first purchase. That's hawthorne.co and use the promo code Opie to get 10% off your purchase. The link is in the description of this episode. Now back to Bob Saget. Uh, Bob, I got to say that I've known you, I don't know, off and on 20 years, and I like this version of you. Oh, man. I, I like you. this version of you because you were always entertaining on the radio, but you're, uh, wow, man, you're you're like in, in touch with a lot of things and... Uh, you're going a bit deeper, and uh, I think I think your podcast is going to be successful, man. I like this. I like that you're opening up uh, like this. Thanks. I grew up, you know. <laughs> Finally, I mean, now that you're in your 60s. I think it has to do with my being married to a, a woman who has uh, got good values, has a great family. Yeah. 
but but it also has to do with who I am and having hardships and having three daughters and and just uh, growing up and wanting to do work and having less time for nonsense. Right. Having less time to say yes to everything. Yeah. That's just not what I want to do. And realizing, finding out how many people truly, uh, this sounds so Sally Field, but like me, from what they can receive of me from the accumulation of the work I've done over all these years. Yeah. So... And that's why the podcast is like a natural thing or would be an interview show or, you know, because I turn to some of the late night hosts and I, I feel good, you know, yeah, I, they, they make me feel better. I'll, I'll watch Kimmel or I'll watch uh, uh, Steven or I'll watch John Oliver and I'm, I'm feeling better, you know, um, when you're not showboating and having to entertain and tap dance for the public, which is usually when it's up and running, although many of them get very emotional and very real before the pandemic and sure. we were up and running. I just have that gene and it just was under the surface for a long time. I was like that a lot when I'm directing something, I'm like that, or when I'm acting in a certain role, I'm like that. But I wasn't always like that when I'd come on a show to promote something comedic I was doing, yeah. whether it be a special or a role. It's always been there. I mean, I made a movie about my sister dying of scleroderma called For Hope years ago. So there's always been that element of it. But now I'm kind of full-time that. So when I call people and talk to them, I'll talk to a guy who says he's from Iraq and he got here seven years ago and he had a rough time and his family just wanted a better life and they're citizens and we talked about, hey, you know, we could have been in a war if it hadn't have been for this pandemic. It looked like we were headed toward an actual war. And But the thing was, the guy was stoned from the moment I called him. So it was a 35-minute phone call <laughs> with this guy that giggled right. over the most horrific, horrific things. Right. It was so great. It was like, oh, this is what you call good broadcasting. or yeah. It's not even broadcasting. It's just no. conversation. Well, that's what I miss about the radio show because every day just going to the phones, it was so exciting because you just didn't know what you were going to get. Sometimes you found people that were incredibly funny, incredibly angry, incredibly smart, uh, fascinating, right. and every day it was different. And I kind of miss that as far as going in and doing a radio show every day, but... Uh, I don't know. Well, you could set it up with what you're doing now. There are ways to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to start uh, heading in, in that direction a little bit. Because um, you're great talking to people, and people love you. So, Oh, thanks, Bob. Um, it's just weird what show business does, isn't it? It's like... Yeah. It's just so fascinating to me. Cause it's, and Edward James almost told me about this years ago. And I wrote this in this book, Dirty Daddy, which which did pretty well. And and he had said to me, I met him at Gray Davis's inaugural, the short-lived governor of California who was uh, removed from office like soon after he was put in. But I was I performed at this big convention center in Sacramento, and and I went there with the Schwarzeneggers, and it was like a whole big thing. And so uh, Edward James almost said, "Here's the secret to show business." First, you're trying to get known. Then you finally get known. That takes 10 years. Then people fall in love with you. Then they fall out of favor. And then you come crashing down for 10 years, and it's not working for 10 years. And then 
10 years later, you find out they want you back. So you have a second coming <laughs> and you get to come back. Yeah. And then that last 10 years, he added, I added up the years and he, he was 120 years old. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> that he was the undead. Right. That he figured out, you just keep falling out of favor and coming back and they like you and they don't like you. And Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm at that level where uh, they're starting to ask me to come back. And uh, I don't. I figured that. I, I don't, had a feeling of that. I don't think. I don't know, man, Bob. I gotta. I gotta say, it, and maybe you can relate, and maybe not. And I just want you to be honest. As you know, I had a, a very successful radio career. Uh, made stupid money. Uh, that's why I'm lucky and blessed that I have another house. Thank God, so I don't have to live in New York City because that's just scaring the hell out of me and my family. And and I worry about all the people that are stuck there, including your right your kids. But um. I'm having more fun now, and I just I don't talk to as many people. Don't hang up. I still have an audience, but not not like the old days. And uh, and I don't I don't really make that much money, but for some reason this is this is where I need to be and want to be. I'm just having so but much then, more then, fun. Why can't you make that happen? Because you have a talent that not many people have. Everybody thinks it's something that anybody can do. Sure. And when you look at the list of people that do podcasts or do serious or do you know, free radio, the free radio, forget it. You know, you've got oh, to go God. into a studio. That, yeah, yeah. That's a world you don't want anything to do with. Yeah. But there are a lot of people doing it, but a lot of them are just filling time and they're sweaty. Oh, yeah. And they, don't they're, have, they don't have the passion for so it. It's so hard to follow the no. script. It's like. I'll be honest. Sirius came sniffing around right before the coronavirus, you know, hit. Uh, just sniffing around because they know the podcast I'm doing is uh, doing very, very well. And I'm like, eh, you know, I th I think I'll make another run at it. It'll be in uh, my terms. And and if it happens again, great. But I guess what I'm trying to tell you is that if it never happens again, I I'm happy just doing this, you know? Right. I, I feel like I'm right. living my true self finally. I, I felt like I was... Uh, dare I say, playing a character because that's what the audience demanded. They wanted the the shock jock and they wanted you know all the craziness and stuff. And I I don't regret any of that stuff whatsoever. I, I don't go through life with many regrets because you know you you grow as a person and you you shed layers of yourself. And I'm a different person now, so I look back and yeah, uh, you're more mature. You've been yeah. through a lot. Your priorities are straight. But you also aren't going, hey, let's do this whole porn segment, oh, God, which no. is where everybody started. That's where yeah. we were 20 years yeah, ago. Yeah, exactly. And no. you look what Howard was doing. I mean, it came out of porn. I mean, it, yeah. you know, and, and then he turned into what, you know, some people say is the best interviewer of all time. And, you know, you know, and then you look at what your old compadres are doing and people are trying to keep afloat with what seems to work. Right. And then... Uh, there's so many different avenues. You're, you always felt to me as the one that was, you know, I, I felt more of a, a kinship to, yeah. um, not that I don't always laugh at Jim Norton cause he's a comedian. So yeah. I've always been, been close with Jim. Um, he actually said something funny the other day in Twitter about the, uh, everybody singing, imagine, uh, all the stars, and he said that video really choked me up. In fact, I hung myself after I saw it. So you're well, a people person. You talk to people. Thanks, and, buddy. And I, I say go for another swipe at it if it's what you want to do. And as you get older, you try to get less angry because that's what, you know, here you were. Look at you. You're, you had this, this stardom. It was, it was a phenomenon. And then 
everybody ends up hating that. Everybody ends up hating their own their own phenomenon. Of course. Everybody. And and so many of the fans want uh, the show back, and I just don't know how to explain that. You know, we did it, and we're very— I think you'd make a lot of people happy if you came back and did yeah. your own thing in your way. Yeah, that's what I'm going to—you uh, know, I mean, I'm growing the podcast, and then, you know, honestly, we'll just see in the end, yeah. in the end where it goes. But uh, are you going to— have any more kids there, Bob Saget? No, I am clipped, and that's a good three to four minutes of my new hour. Oh, good. good. Um, it's funny you mentioned about, you know, I, I got a vasectomy, and then I tell you about my new hour. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is it is but, it horrifying to get a vasectomy? I don't know if I'll ever do it. Oh, I got the home kit. It was really easy. Just, <laughs> you, you just, it's kind of like a corkscrew, and you slam it in a drawer. Right. And it's just... Jesus. It's minutes. Right. It takes minutes. Oh, nice. And and they you're unconscious by the time they find you, but yeah. <laughs> but but they say you can get they they can find its way back and sure you could have swimmers again. But uh, no, we we don't want to. My wife didn't want to have them, and I didn't want to have any more, and so it kind of uh, made sense for us. I so. I asked that because I was watching that show the other night, and uh, your pal John Stamos was on. And he's got a young kid. I'm like, wow, man, good for him. But it's, yeah, it's, he loves that kid. The kid's the cutest yeah. kid in the world. Oh, gorgeous! But it, I it, love it, that kid. But I, I mean, I'm 63, so if I had a kid, you know, I don't want to be 85 and take the kid to a you know, graduation at high school and right. You know, I, I don't want to do that. I, I mean, I don't think I'm dying. I can't die. I've got too much to take care of. You know. Yeah. And I want to be alive and enjoy life. My oldest daughter said if I had a kid that I would probably drop it. (laughs) (laughs) Dad, I don't think you should have one. You're going to drop it in the middle of the night. Yeah. I said, no, I don't take Ambien anymore. You don't have to worry. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Do you want to have more kids? Man, you know... Yeah, you got a young woman there. You yeah, can do it. I wish I was. I I kind of wish I was younger, but you know, I'll have I'll, my son will just you know raise the kid. I guess what the hell? My dad did that. I think my dad, if he was alive, would be uh, ninety this year, and his youngest brother was like twenty some odd years younger than him. So like my my uncle kind of looked at my dad as his father more or less because the father wasn't around. Right. So that I mean, man, my grandma got it on. She she was she was having kids for over twenty something years, man. Could you imagine? I know people that have done that. I talked to somebody the other day. They had like ten kids. They just kept doing it. Yeah, and I was like, whoa! So it doesn't stop. So you never really have your life, but they want that to be their life, and that's kind of beautiful if that's what they want. I I look at it as my life. I mean, I can't even imagine my life before. Um, my wife and my kids at this point i'm totally fine that this is uh, are you all kind of enjoying the quarantine because you get to spend time with them that you wouldn't normally get to 100 percent. and uh yeah i'm I'm an introvert by nature too so i don't i don't have to make any excuses anymore i'm just (laughs) i'm just here and i know and you're in your house breakfast with you (laughs) really meant that you liked me yes i didn't do it often (laughs) i I had I had a lot of invites uh, with people over the years. I was like, eh, you know, and I, I like keeping to myself when I'm not doing all this stuff. I like to, I like to surf cast and do a lot of fishing and hang with my family and and uh, not many people. And that's just how I am, I guess. That that's why it's so weird that I went into into broadcasting because it, it doesn't make sense. 
I'm the same way. I mean, I seem like an extrovert, but the more I'm doing what I'm doing right now is the more I'm feeling kind of probably how you've always felt. Yeah. You know, not being able to go out and perform for a lot of people, always yeah. having to be on. It's a different kind of on. It's like your brain's turned on. Right. And you're communicating. But then when you're done with that, you, you do your life, you know. A hundred percent. You really think comedy yeah. is going to come back? I mean, obviously we need comedy, but... I mean, when do they open up the comedy clubs again? The thing I think they will. Yeah. I think they will. I actually, on my schedule right now, have some date in Denver in July. We're, we, we're either going to do it or move it. You know, I, I don't I don't see it happening, but I haven't canceled it. They haven't canceled it. Right. So we're just, everybody's just floating and waiting. I think the game changer is when they finally come up with drugs where you don't really die from this anymore. And then finally you could truly start opening things up, you know, before that. It's just scary. I mean, I liked what you said about them opening up the beaches, and it's basically like that scene out of Jaws with, uh, I think it was Mayor Vaughn, right, in Jaws? I don't want to know or even think that somebody got sick because of something I brought together. Yeah. I do think people need to laugh more than anything, but right now it's just going to be the way it's going to be. You can't put them in a room. No. Jacksonville opening their beaches, that's like, you know, Roy Scheider being told by the mayor, uh, you know, open the beach. Yeah. We got to do business. Yeah. It's like... And the shark eats everybody. <laughs> yeah. I thought I thought that scene in Jaws was such an exaggeration at the time, laughing. I'm like, oh, politicians, they're kind of crazy to begin with. But now we're living through it where that scene is pretty damn accurate. You got mayors all over the place going, nope, we're opening up the nail salons and the massage uh, places and restaurants and go, 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 go continue your life. And and there's a lot yeah, of Yeah, and it's, it's, we want life to come back. We need small business to do well. And yeah. Small businesses weren't bailed out like we were told they were no. going to be. But that goes political, and I don't want, you no, know, you don't that's have the to. painful part. Yeah, you don't have to, but I, I yeah, we, we obviously got to start opening up parts of this country, but we just got to be smart about it. I don't know if being smart about it is opening up, you know, nail salons and places where you get massages and stuff, but... Uh, that's the real problem. I need to get my nails done. Well, you, And your hair, right? How are you handling oh, the hair? hair? I got, I got, I've always had, uh, <laughs> my crown is what I get colored, because I've always had like a yarmulke of gray. Okay. And I've had it a long time, like yeah. 20 years, but it got really bad. For a while, I didn't even care. I would just comb it. Yeah. And then it got really thin, and then it wasn't thin anymore, because I put the propecia on the thing, and yeah. or whatever, that Rogaine type stuff, and so that kept me from... Keep it helped me keep my hair nice and strong and to vitamins and yeah. But now I got a little skunk in the back. But everything you do now is straight to camera, so I'm fine. Yeah. I'm not, I haven't gone gray yet. It's just that it's like a birthmark. It's like I don't know. Somebody told me they were using a yarmulke as a face mask, and I'm like, well, yeah. I don't think that's a good idea because no Jewish person's ever washed a yarmulke. <laughs> so you're basically breathing through an old Jewish man's. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't think that'll protect no. you. Well, they're also using bras and um, and tampons. Yeah, half of my, I I was using my mother's old underpants. But she's been gone for ten years. <laughs> right. <laughs> we, we should end with a laugh, man. You've been very generous with your time, Bob Saget. Well, I'm crazy about you. So uh, I think you should do this. I think you should do whatever 
if it organically happens. You yeah, know, that's not what something I'm you're for. pushing for, and that's yeah. what makes it attractive. Yeah. That's when they come after you is when you're not pushing for it. Yeah. But you're still you're still doing it, and you still got your audience, yeah. and you do it because you love it, and yeah. that's the key to the whole thing. This podcast I'm doing is because I want to do it, right? And I. And that's it. And I love that it goes around the world. I'm crazy about that. Yeah. Because that's, we weren't there. No. You know, 10 years ago, you didn't do something and all of a sudden it's around the whole world. Oh, it's creepy um, to think where this whole thing uh, has is at. Because when I started in radio, my dream was to be syndicated in other cities and that finally happened. But the technology wasn't there. That was a really hard thing to do. You had to find another radio station that would agree to, you know, take your radio show and, and all that. And, Today, yeah. today I put up an episode, and within an hour, I'm looking at analytics, and it's like, what? Uh, wait, people are downloading this in South Korea right now. It's just crazy. Yeah. Just insane. Uh, my, my podcast is sponsored by the wet market. <laughs> That's a bad joke, everybody. I like, I like it. I, I Not kinda, a good one. I kind of like it, though. A little old school yeah, Bob I mean, Saget. It's, just, it's, it's inappropriate, and it's okay. that's what I've kind of... We both have always been in that area. It's okay. Where you know. say what you're not supposed to say, and right. it doesn't mean you're... I mean, my God, you know, if you want to hear your feeling out of me, it's constant, my feeling for what... You, too. Yeah. We watch the news. We go, oh, my God. Well, these these people in the hospitals are taking care of people. Yeah. It's like, oh, my God. They're, they're, they're sent from... If you believe in God, that's where they're coming from. These people are just a hundred percent amazing. And if you don't, they're just heroes. They're just yeah. beautiful, amazing people. And I watched someone on a show the other night, and she said, a nurse, and she said, "I just want you to know, if you weren't able to come and see your mom or your dad, and they passed away, that they got love the whole time. Right. And um, and when we you FaceTime with them, and I held the the phone on my phone." that they were they we gave them so much love and told them all the time how much you loved them and so they didn't they didn't die without a connection oh to you God. and that's like wow such evolved humanity to to be able to understand all that yeah it's sad that it took this but some great things are coming out of it you know you're you're seeing what uh humanity is capable of that's for sure and i i do want to make yeah. this, i want to make this point because you made that joke and i think it's lost on the young people today but if you joke about something like the coronavirus, let's say, which is the hot topic right now, people think you don't take the coronavirus seriously or you don't have uh, compassion for the nurses and the cashiers and everybody else that's fighting this this uh, invisible war. Um, but you could make jokes about something and also take that uh, topic very seriously. And I don't know why the youth today don't understand that point. No, they don't get sarcasm or care about it. Yeah, uh, but 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 I don't like to be that guy that says, "Oh, the youth today," because then I I'm know. that guy. I know, and, I know, and, you're and, right. And so I, but the, but there's kind. I mean, that's the thing that's been making me feel good about doing the podcast is the young people are just like they're they're getting it. They right. they understand the what facetiousness is. They they know what satire is. I mean, some of the, all the best movies that came out of the '60s that protested the Vietnam War. Were were so many of them were about the rebellion toward that, like yeah. Catch Twenty Two and Harold and Maude, all these movies of sixties and seventies that reflected back on why did we fight these wars? You right. Know? So I mean, we're going to be seeing a lot of that with a lot of the arts, and then people will be mad at everybody who's 
And we'll probably have a red scare again. They'll do some oh, kind God. of McCarthyism type thing. Yeah. If you're not patriotic enough, and I'm yeah. damn patriotic. I, I love that there's good people in this country that that really do care. Uh, and they're from all over. It doesn't matter what side of the... I don't know why. I think we should take the aisles out of everything. The man on the other side of the aisles. <laughs> yeah. Take, right. take out the aisles. Make it like Westbury Music Hall. Do theater in the round. Right. Can't we all just get along? Yeah, I like to focus on the positive these days. Hey, last question. Are you really into strange animals? I always have been. It's funny. John Oliver and I are friendly, and, and he, you know, all, every broadcast he has, he ends up, when in doubt, you know, bring out a marsupial or yeah. bring out, you know, some odd turtle. And I'm sorry. I love that bird, and I don't care who knows it. Now back to, you <laughs> yeah. know, the president. Right, you know? right, right. But but I, yeah, I'm I just always find it funny. I mean, we we were I was in bed with my wife the other night. And we heard a giant thump. Turns out I got an owl nice. who went crazy and yeah. was hitting all the air conditioners up upstairs on, on the top of the house and went after a mouse, just a little field mouse that was on the roof. I don't know how he got there. Yeah. And then the mouse got chased or dragged and took his own life. And jumped off <laughs> the roof God. next to the pool. Yeah, and then it took a while for him. I, I thought he was dead, but then the next day he rolled over. So, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> so you know, animal stuff is um, you almost can't offend anybody with animal stuff. That's right. probably why it is. And and you know, I don't like uh, you know people look at animal porn. That I'm, no. I'm against. You know, I, I, that's why I clear my browser constantly. Yeah, of course. You got to do that alone. I don't know how it gets on there. You, and I didn't know goats were like that. Right. You got to do that stuff alone when no one's home. <laughs> Imagine how conflicted a centaur is. Yeah. <laughs> wow, animal humor. I like it. Hey, you know how weird my podcast has gotten? I went and did an episode with a red-tailed hawk. My friend has a red-tailed hawk. And that's his hobby. And we went hunting with his red-tailed uh, hawk in an open field. It was beyond fascinating. I loved it. They scare me, hawks. I think that they're aren't they capable of attacking us? I guess maybe just when we're when we're unconscious or dead. Well, no, in in, in uh, California, they take uh, those little dogs away. Don't turn your back, man. I mean, there's red-tailed. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. they're in the sky, and they they. There, more yeah, than you little. don't want to see your baby in the air in a hawk's mouth. <laughs> oh my god, no! Can you imagine? <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> Why don't we take the baby to the park? You know, there's a lot of hawks around here. Yeah. I don't know. They said <laughs> hawks were gone. They migrated. Right? <laughs> Aren't they extinct? They don't do that anymore. I don't know, man. I I sort of remember a story about that a bunch of years ago where somebody's yeah. kid or no, something. No, it happened. Okay. I know it happened. Okay, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, so, Bob. Well, I'm going to go back to bed because I've been I've been going since this morning, so I'm going to okay. actually take a nap like a good little schoolboy. Beautiful. I, I'm a big fan of the naps. Uh, I appreciate it. You you absolutely Oh, made, I'm so happy to talk to yeah, you. Yeah, you Please made time for me. give my love to the whole family. Don't creep the kids out in case they see my stand-up, but tell them I said my best. Absolutely. And uh, I'll be checking out the podcast. Uh, I'm halfway through the first episode. It just dropped. It's called uh, Bob Saget's Here for You, and uh, it's going to be a good listen, Bob. Congratulations, uh, man. Thanks so much, man. It was really nice to talk to you. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely, Bob. Thank you so much, all right? 
Stay safe. Don't let anybody come in the house like I did today. Oh, I got an exterminator God. in the house. You know I'm going to come down with, with rat fever or something. You're just don't do that. It's, it's yeah, that I can't easy. help it. I had to get rid of a rat. Ah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we end. Uh, I guess. That's right. I guess. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. To bye. be continued. Have, have a great one. All right, Bob. Uh, don't be a stranger. No, same here. Hit me up. Text me anytime. Hey, buddies. Creamy Butters here. Um, just hopping in my car. I'm on my way to a job interview. Very exciting. But first, I wanted to give a, a real quick Bob Saget story. The UAW sent uh, me and my head maintenance guy, uh, Tom, very nice guy, Irish. So, you know, uh, sent us out to the uh, Black Lake, Michigan for a safety conference. Fun time. Great time. Learned a lot about safety. But we're flying back from Detroit, Michigan. Uh, there's these two beautiful Korean women dressed like schoolgirls at the bar. Really, they're just amazingly beautiful and perfect. Amazing. And I'm staring at them, ogling them. I go, wow, whoever sits with that, with those two ladies on the on the flight home is a lucky, lucky man. So we're, we're boarding the plane, right? I get seated first. The, they, they sit next to me. Imagine my surprise. How awesome. Two beautiful Korean women dressed like schoolgirls for some reason sit next to me. Now my maintenance guy, Tom, he walks by. He's getting, he's finally getting seated. He walks by me. And he slaps me in the back of the head and he starts motherfucking me all the way down the aisle. Motherfucking fat fucking motherfucker. So the flight from uh, Detroit to Logan Airport in Boston, it was uh, just like three hours of awkward conversation that they didn't understand of me just trying to connect as a human being. I don't even know why I wanted to sit with them. I wasn't going to hit them on or anything. I'm a married man. So the flight's over. We're getting our uh, luggage, right? And uh, Tom goes, uh, I almost came back uh, to, to see if you wanted to switch seats. I'm all, why the hell would I want to switch seats? I was with two beautiful Korean women dressed like schoolgirls. He goes, I was sitting with Bob Saget. No, you fucking weren't. You fucking were not sitting with Bob Saget. And then fucking Bob Saget walks by with his his fucking suitcase. And he goes, hey, Tom, it was nice, really nice to meet you. And I'm sitting there dumbfounded. And and Bob Saget quickly starts walking away. And I go to run after him because I want to say hi. And Tom's all, Tom's all butters. Don't, Don't be a fucking fag. Just, you lost this one. That's my Bob Saget story. Listen, I hope you guys are staying safe. Uh, and uh, rest in peace, Vic Henley. We fucking love you, man. Boo, 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 boo. Boo, 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 boo